Welcome back to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. As always, Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins joining you here. Uh, And today we are doing something a little similar to what we did last time, but also a little different as well. Uh, Last episode, if you didn't listen, we did uh, positional breakdowns, uh, or I'm sorry, training camp breakdowns, just kind of going into the biggest training camp battles um, that we foresee going into September's Mm -hmm. uh, training camp. Um, now we're doing something, like I said, just a little bit different. We're kind of going position by position, uh, just kind of giving our thoughts, looking at last year's, uh, you know, um, what, what's the word? I'm, rotation, I guess, and um, comparing outlook. that to this year. Outlook. There we go. It's, this is definitely more of an outlook kind of thing of um, where we see if the Kings have improved uh, position by position, if they still need to improve, have they downgraded. You kind of get the gist. And then uh, we're going to end today's episode with a little bit of Jersey talk. So definitely stick around for that. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into uh, let's get into point guards. Yeah? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, PG? Did you hear that? Did you just hear that sound? I heard that when you <laughs> slammed the yeah, table. Yeah, right when I slammed the table, something like fell outside. Fell outside. <laughs> so maybe the building could be falling apart. There it's was a good a, chance. There was a, a fire. That was, was outside a couple days ago. A couple days yeah. ago, that was kind of crazy. So maybe, uh, maybe things are falling apart here. Things are definitely falling apart at this building. Eleven forty. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I imagine they talk about it pretty much once a week on air. At least I've heard that the building's uh, falling. The apart. building is just. I mean, our building. God bless this company, but uh, <laughs> Lord, could we move buildings? Please. I mean, that'd be kind of nice. I mean, how long have they been in this building? They've been in this building probably upwards of 20 years, I think. I mean, I've heard story. I mean, I've been here for seven or eight years. That, that, and, you know, since I can, since I've been here, they've talked about moving stories of, you know, old, you know, old things that have happened in this building. And yeah, moving every, it seems like every couple years I hear like, is oh, this yeah, building haunted? That is also something that has been talked about. I think uh, KNCI did like an overnight stay here once and like had a medium or something come here. And I think they did say that the stairs right outside the uh, the studio that we walk by. That we walk up here, every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. They said that that is like a hotbed. I'm just of, stepping on some ghost every day. I think they did say it was go- like it did have like ghost energy or something. <laughs> Big ghost energy. Big <laughs> BGE, bro. Uh, is, it, is it like was it angry or was it kind of just like was it just vibing out to like Carrie Underwood or something, bro? I, maybe that's why I was so upset. It was like, <laughs> bruh, turn y'all, this yeah, off. turn this garbage. Excuse me, I'm not calling KNCI garbage, but I'm just calling the music that they play. Garbage. Well, we don't, we're not, we don't, we yeah, don't listen to country music. Very yeah, much. I don't listen to country, so you don't. I don't. Either. Yeah, you no. don't. You de- you definitely don't either. I, I do not. Uh, um, anyways, but that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So uh, respect to the ghosts in the building. If yeah, you're respect here, to the ghosts, please send maybe us you, big ghost vibes. We maybe need you those. startled it. Maybe that's what that was. I think I honestly might have been. They're uh, they're not ready to talk about these point guards. Uh, honestly, it's because that when you look at the point guards of last year and then of this year. It's the same, too. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell were the only two point guards on the roster to start last season. Uh, They ended up picking up Emmanuel Moutier for the most forgotten two games. Um you know, yeah. I, tell I, me why. Tell me why I was like kind of talking myself into me Moutier too. being. Oh, oh, he could be a guy's me, backup guard. Moutier looked good in his two games he played. I remember. I think he came out and like in the first two minutes had two assists, like three or four two assists. Three, yeah. yeah, right. It was. Uh, I definitely remember being like, "This is not." You know, he's not washed by any means, and I thought it kind of looked like somebody who could you know play on this team. And it was kind of interesting to me that he only lasted two games. 
I mean, well, he, coming out of the draft in what was it, 2014, 15? Yeah. 2015, seventh overall pick. I mean, I wanted, he, I remember I was like decently high on him. He, I mean, with New York, he was like a four assist guy. He never really was like a big, I mean, his best year of his career was his rookie year. Kind of like. Mm-hmm. He was drafted not, by the Nuggets, right? Nuggets, yeah. And he, uh, 13 points per game, five and a half assists. But, anyways, not to get too into. Emmanuel yeah, I'm just saying, I remember look, when the Kings brought him in, I, I was talking myself into, hey, like, this, this could work. Yeah. This could- yeah, third guard. I mean, and that's the kind of debate that we're going to look into this year as well. But um, Moutier played two games. Uh, also, you want to talk about forgotten games. Justin Robinson played three games at point guard for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, that was like a who? Yeah, I remember him getting like first quarter minutes. And he too. was playing. He like he played. Yeah. Uh, real quick though on Moutier. Uh, <laughs> Moutier played two games with the Kings, eleven minutes. His per thirty six assist numbers are thirteen point one assists per thirty six minutes. Bro. Bring him back, please. Bring him back. That's like some Rajon Rondo type numbers. Bring him back. Bring him back. Bring back Moutier. Um, no, but that's kind of crazy looking at the like the list that you put together here. Just as far as I forget that they really. I mean, I know that. Dante played a little bit of point guard, yeah. but I'm talking about like our our the the list here has point guards mm-hmm. that were playing the point guard position in more than just kind of like a break break glass in case of mm-hmm. emergency situation. So Fox and Mitchell were the only two, the only two. And I'm looking at this year too, and all we know right now is that one and two on the rotation chart are Fox and Mitchell mm-hmm. again. Yep, and then we have the Deli Cook, um, you know, debate that that you. Everybody here, here's a nice plug here. Go check out uh, our last episode, our last week's episode to go hear our thoughts on uh, the Delhi versus Cook situation. Doesn't really seem like there's any clear indication of which way the team is leaning or, or even like skill wise, which one, uh, you know, the, the Kings should lean towards. But um, to your point, I think this season it's looking like more of the same where it's just going to be a majority of Fox and Mitchell running the point. And that brings me to the question of, uh, well, not even, it's not even really a question. It's just how much how much better did these two get over the offseason is kind of what the Kings are banking on for their point guard position. Do you like that philosophy, or do you feel like they probably should have brought somebody in who, you know, I guess Deli and Cook could be that, well, that steadying presence, but a kind of competition for an actual point guard? I think if we're kind of getting towards that question of do they upgrade or downgrade the point guard position this, this summer, I think no matter who you pick over Deli or, Deli or Cook, it's an upgrade because yeah. when you look at last year – Fox, Mitchell, to Moutier, and Robinson. I mean, yeah. they don't have a backup or a third-string point guard. Mm-hmm. Bringing in Delhi or Cook, you have a third-string point guard. So that automatically, to me, puts you puts the 2022-23 team, this upcoming season's team, ahead of last year. I agree. Just because, I mean, we looked at it. We've had, For a couple of years now, it's been like an issue, not having a true third-string point guard. Even when uh, Fox went down, I think in 2020, it was Bogey who was playing. Uh, he was... Starting point guard, yeah, was, backup yeah, point guard, maybe. Uh, so this year, I mean, I know Del Vadova again and Cook. We talked about last week. Neither are a wow huge difference maker. And I would be very upset if either were a starting point guard on this team. But bringing Delhi off the bench or Cook off the bench for for ten twelve minutes, I can live with that because mm-hmm. Delhi. We talked about his defensive intensity. Cook can knock down threes. There, there are positives. Whereas Moutier was fun just because of the fact he was drafted when like we were in college and yeah. <laughs> we I want him I want him to be good and uh Robinson who I I think he had success in the G League uh having Delier Cook that makes an upgrade mm-hmm. in my book. Do you feel similarly or do you No, definitely. I 100% agree and I think uh you know, it's just logical to assume that Davion Mitchell and and 
I guess it's not logical to assume De'Aaron Fox will be better next season, but I believe De'Aaron Fox will be better next season. Um, and so just kind of by virtue of, of progression, you would, you would assume that this position group will be better than it was last year. By no means was um, you know the Fox and Mitchell combo bad, but I think even De'Aaron, I think every single person who watched Kings games last year could admit that De'Aaron did not get off to the best start, uh, and that hopefully will not happen this season. So uh, obviously the second half of last year, De'Aaron went absolutely insane. But you would assume that this season he can find some sort of steadying presence and with Sabonis for a full off season and for the full season in total um, that they can you know figure things out to uh, to have De'Aaron play at the level that we saw last year. Uh, Davion's kind of the one. I don't want to say the X factor or a wild card, but you just kind of don't know. Me and Brendan have been talking a lot about because we're we're not the highest on uh, Dave. We're not the biggest. I shouldn't say we're not high on Davion Mitchell. We're just not his biggest. Advocates, we're not his biggest supporters in terms of like Davion Mitchell is a starting point guard who is playing backup. Um, I think it's just it's a fascinating case study of this guy puts in legendary amount of work. Does that necessarily hundred percent mean that it's going to translate to game? Because there is just like you know, I could work my ass off every single day. Me, Chris Watkins, can work my ass off every day. <laughs> And I will not. I have a certain threshold, a limit of how good I can get. Yeah. That's just the reality of being a human being. Everyone has their limits. Uh, Davion Mitchell is a possibly six foot uh, point guard who is very strong, but really doesn't. He doesn't excel at shooting. He doesn't excel at playmaking. Um, he doesn't excel at attacking the rim. What can he really excel at? Yeah, it's just, besides the obviously his defense is ridiculous, but how how long can he keep that up, and is that good enough to to make him stand out in the league? Well, I mean, when he has Fox in the roster, I guess it's kind of easier. I don't want to mm-hmm. say hide. Shout out Brendan on the the hiding people Jeez. comment, the little no, Tyrese right. Halliburton callback. I, I poke at him all the time. We love you, Brendan. Uh, but I, I think it's easier to kind of yeah not hide, but yeah hide him and not have to worry about him being that guy until De'Aaron goes down with an injury, like we mm-hmm. saw last year. Davion did like a, he rose to the occasion. He was a twenty point per game score. He was dishing out five six assists per game. So he did prove it in a small sample size that he could kind of plug that hole. But long term, I'm not sure. And I saw someone last night on Twitter. I think it was uh, it was Rory. It's a uh, at Big Roar Dog on Twitter. It's a guy I, I talk to you sometimes on Kings Twitter. Uh, he said that it was. I think the tweet said, "I hate to break it to you all, but the Kings don't have plans of building around Fox and Davion long term because they went out and they got Kevin Herter." And Malik Monk for the next two, four years. So why would they go get two guards? Davion's already 23. That's going to take you to through Davion's, what, age 27, 28 season, having four years of Kevin Herter. So I guess it kind of makes sense to me that maybe the Kings aren't long, like they aren't fully enamored with pairing Fox and Mitchell, because otherwise, why would they go do that? I mean, how do you view that? Because I never really thought about it that way. I don't really see how the two connect. I personally, and this was my issue with them initially drafting Davion, I think Davion's just a backup point guard. Like, I don't mean that as an insult. I kind of mean it as a compliment, but like, he's just, I just think he's a really, really solid backup point guard. And he should try and make him a starter, I think would be foolish. I think he would be a bottom tier starter in the league, but I think he definitely has an elite skill being defense. Uh, I think if he can learn to hit threes, he can be a value on offense. But where he stands right now, I just think he, he's a 
perfect backup point guard. And like I, I just don't really see how the addition of Herder and Monk for sure, you know, that might stunt Davion's ability to play the two. But again, I was never really a believer that someone who's under six feet or at six feet tall could really realistically start next to Fox. I always thought that was a huge issue. Um, so I guess, I mean, it's that is crushing if you believe, because I do think a lot of people do believe that the Kings' plan was to start both Davion and Fox. Because they traded Tyrese and they thought, okay, well, I guess it's Davion and Fox then, yeah. right? But now I think that's what I'm saying. I think we're saying kind of similar things Definitely, as far as yeah. I... I don't know if the Herder thing does come in. It doesn't really change that, I guess, in a way. But it doesn't change if, if if he is what you're saying, a backup point guard. The Kings do view him as a backup point guard that can, in a break glass situation, mm-hmm. take over and start for you know, 10, 15 games or so. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. We might be sitting here in two months when Davion's averaging 16 off the bench or whatever. Or maybe he's completely done something that's, that's you know, throw an egg on our faces, but I I kind of like the idea of Davion just being that long-term kind of bench piece, but it, it's hard to to tell if, if he is someone that's going to be a starter. I mean, because again, the Kings kind of have those those two spots yeah. locked down, which we're going to go to next, but Monk and, and Herter, I mean, that's, that's pretty locked in there. So, and you look at the point guard spot, if De'Aaron's going to be here throughout yeah, the rest of his contract, yeah. which we hope he is, and at a high level, yeah. I mean, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. No pun intended, Quinn Cook. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I. yeah, I, I think that's that's a good way of putting it, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I just, I've always viewed Davion as a backup point guard, and I, I think he can really be a top-level backup point guard, but again, I kind of think if, you, if you're going to put him at a starting spot, he's just going to be a bottom, you know, he's not going to be in the top 20 of starting point guards, I don't believe, in the league. Um, you know, he's he's been countlessly compared to Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is a perfectly fine player. I mean, we saw. I think he started last season for the uh, T-Wolves. Apparently in the he's going to start next to Russell Westbrook. Apparently he's going to start next season. Like, we've seen Patrick Beverly really? as a starter, but has anyone ever said, like, Patrick Beverly is a top-tier point guard in the league? No, I don't no. even think anyone would have ranked him in the top 15 of the league. And, and, like, I think because he has been, and I think we we compare Davion to two players, Patrick Beverly and Marcus Smart. Marcus mm-hmm. Smart's kind of been a player who broke out of that mold. This season, yeah. He, and now he's was Defensive Player of the Year, and mm-hmm. he also, I think he's a he's a starter. He's a bona fide mm-hmm. starter now. He's yeah. going to start probably for the rest of his career, I'd imagine. But before that, that wasn't the case. And Patrick Beverly's kind of that player, which I think Davion could maybe be like a Swiss Army knife. Like, mm-hmm. he can start in some spots, but I think he's best in a bench role yeah. and can be, like, the energy guy. And there's totally. so many different things that he could bring off the bench that the Kings need, which the Kings haven't had. Like, mm-hmm. Buddy Heald, the Kings kind of wanted him to be that energy guy off the bench, and that just never happened. Yeah. It just wasn't the way it was going to go with him ever. He never wanted to be a bench piece. Bogey was it kind of that, but the energy wasn't really there. Bogey's just kind of a smooth player, calm. Davion's a guy who's always running – could set the tone. Crazy motor on him. So I just think that it's it's very intriguing long-term to me in a, in a backup role. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would say it's going to be 100% they pick up his option for, for next year. I would assume so, yeah. He that, hasn't that, been tragic or no, anything. No, that's coming next month. So 
Yep, I definitely agree. Um, let's move on to that sh- shooting guard position you were just talking about earlier. Uh, starting off last season, uh, the shooting guard rotation was one Tyrese Halliburton, who is obviously gone, Buddy Heald, who uh, was shipped with him, and Terrence Davis, who only played the first half of the season after, uh, did he hurt his wrist? What was it last season that he ended up hurting and missing? TD? Yeah. Uh, he fractured his wrist. Yeah. Yeah, so he missed. During the 50-point uh, loss in Boston. Gosh. I want to black that game like out of my memory completely. I can't believe we had to watch the whole thing. And then the following night, the Atlanta game too, where they were up and then just completely blew the game. It was. I think uh, they ended up losing that game by twenty or thirty. By, uh, as well. Seventeen. Oh, felt like thirty. Then they lost to Philly. They they blew a lead late. It was the game where Tyrese had a career high. Was the Philly game the one where uh, nobody played? None of the Philly guys played. No, that was uh, on the road where they did play, and we were beating them. And Tyrese had that crazy three in the corner to give him like oh, a four yeah, point yeah. lead or something, yep. and they blew yep. it. Uh, the one at home that was that was probably the that most dis- disappointing. Yeah. That was, that that was, was really epically terrible. after Luke got fired, yes. and they were in control the whole game. Anyways, uh, no more pain Olympics. No. Let's, let's uh, so yeah, that's that was the uh, 2021 start of the season rotation, and then obviously after Tyrese and Buddy got shipped off, it ended up being Dante Divincenzo, who's and who finally ended. Well, I actually don't remember how many games Dante ended up starting. I remember complaining relentlessly that Justin Holiday started so many games. Dante started, uh, I want to say, one game with the Kings. God, that's terrible. See, so and then I'll have to move this. Justin Holiday uh, was the was the starter at shooting guard for the Kings. Dante would come off the bench. Jeremy Lamb uh, really only kind of got minutes when he first arrived in town, and then kind of never got minutes again. Uh, since last season, the Kings have cut Jamias Ramsey, so he is no longer a part of the Kings' future. Uh, he was also a shooting guard. Also, didn't get much time last season. And I believe Ade Murky uh, is back with Stockton. He, he came. Stockton. He only came up up. Yeah, he only came up once last season, game or two. Uh, and you know, I, I'm not trying to say Ade isn't a great player or anything, but I believe the only reason that happened is because he's signed with uh, De'Aaron Fox's agency, his uh, family first or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, one of his uh, Chris Gaston, I believe, is De'Aaron's yeah. agent. He's one of his clients. So if I had to guess, it was kind of one of those. Uh, make good by our star kind of things. This season, entering this season, obviously this has been the uh, biggest additions to the Kings roster this offseason. One Kevin Herter, I almost called him Malik Herter. Uh, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk step in uh, to the uh, starting two positions. We Again, you can check out last week's episode to figure out what our thoughts are on that position battle. Uh, and then after them is TD as well, who we just kind of don't know where he's going to fit. I think we also talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, he's playing small four, which could be an option. Mm-hmm. That's that's very likely to yeah. me. But, yeah, uh, definitely, because I think he's, I mean, yeah, I just listed, he's probably going to be the third option at shooting guard. Flexibility. Not a lot of minutes. Uh, and then Keon Ellis, uh, Brendan Nunez's guy, Favorite Keon player. Ellis, uh, who probably won't get much minutes, but is still, you know, slated in that in that two-guard role. Um, when we're talking about upgrade or downgrade from last season, I think clearly Tyrese Halliburton is the best player of, no, I shouldn't say clearly, actually. I think Tyrese Halliburton is the best player of the Tyrese, all, of all, Herter, Monk, all on the list. All yeah. of, everyone that we just listed, I would say Tyrese is the best player. Um, I think, but, but it's what comes after. Exactly. And that's, I think, where the Kings were banking on this season with depth. Would you rather have Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald or Malik Monk and Kevin Hurden? Curtain herder. It's it's so tough because like, I mean, it's kind of a push. If if That's I could I like on this roster like have Tyrese with Sabonis, yeah, I would probably go with having yeah. Tyrese and kind of deal with Buddy. But 
I mean, realistically, I think that Tyrese, Buddy, and TD last year is depth, and then Justin Holiday later on, Jeremy Lamb, Dante, like Dante was was fine. Uh, I think having Herder, Monk, TD, even Elvis is a two way. Like I, mm-hmm. I think that. I think it's an upgrade. I, I mean, think the depth for sure. I think the depth is way. I mean, look at that. Like, if any of Monk or Herder go down, having TD as your third string shooting guard on going to training camp is kind of crazy it's great. to me. Yeah, and I know that was kind of the case last year. But TD kind of played. He was kind of in the rotation in a couple of different positions mm-hmm. last year. He even had like a couple spot PD, uh, PG minutes, which I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, so I think having a player like TD who kind of can be that utility man, which is kind of what I talked about last week. Uh, Small forward, shooting guard. He can play point guard for maybe like a, a set or two. Nothing more than that, really. But uh, having that depth and having a, a true, true shooting guard, Malik Monk, who gets to be reunited with De'Aaron Fox. Having Kevin Herter, who also kind of falls in that mold. He's six seven, can play a couple of different positions. It just, it just makes too much sense to me to say it's an upgrade. I mean, it just. I know losing Tyrese is tough, but. You know, if I could wave a magic wand, having him on a team with Sabonis and and Fox, I mean, there are concerns that too, though, because there's one basketball, like we always talk about, the classic, the the 2011 Miami Heat thing. There's only one ball, only one ball, only one ball, and the and the 2022 Kings are pretty much the 2011 yeah, Heat. Yeah, when I so, think of 2011 Heat or uh, 2016 Warriors, 2008 Celtics, 23 Kings, probably right yeah, after, like the new the new big three mm-hmm. of of Herder, Sabonis, and Fox. Yeah. Uh, on that level, but no, I think from a depth standpoint, they've upgraded it, and it's a position that I'm most excited to see how how Mike Brown is going to make that work, how the rotation is going to work with Herder and Monk, who will start, how many minutes will the, the player that comes off the bench get, and then what do you do with TD? So I think that's a clear upgrade. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing. I think it's it's at worst a push. I, I think uh, everything you said is totally right, and I think the depth is definitely something to be considered. In terms of fit, absolutely Herder over Tyrese. If we're talking players, I think it's probably even, or if not, you know, edge to Tyrese. Uh, the Monk-Buddy thing, again, is kind of a push. Those two guys both have their pluses and definitely have their minuses, and you just kind of deal with one to get the other. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's to me, I think the biggest thing is this is not a downgrade, for sure. Um, and that's, I you know, we're going to go through it, but I, I feel like this is the position, obviously, with the most turnover, and when you have a lot of turnover, a lot of the time it's a lot of question marks on, oh, like, hopefully, you know, if if, if there was no Kevin Herter, if it was just Malik Monk, we're like, uh, like, I think, I hope Malik can be a good starter, but, uh, you know, there's definitely the possibility that he's just kind of Buddy Heald 2.0. Um, but with the addition of Herder and Monk, I just really like that depth. I think that that solidifies the position, and uh, it it really could end up saving the King season. I think you know if, if one of those guys goes down, like you said, I think having TD as as your backup then or, or Keon Ellis as your uh, third string, I think that's that's a lot better situation than you were last year for sure. It's favorable, definitely. And no offense to your boy Jeremy Lamb, but. No thanks. Uh, no I'm good thanks on, on, I'm good on the Jeremy so, Lamb. Project. So good on Jeremy Lamb minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean the Herder and Monk upgrade is, or Herder and Monk is clearly an upgrade over the Justin Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo backcourt that they were uh, running out last year, which is really what matters because that's the team that's that's kind of going to come out this year. Is, I forgot about Justin Holiday. What did he finish with his Kings numbers? I would guess twenty three starts 
uh, and I would guess maybe like seven to nine points a game. He started all 25 of his games here, oh. 25 minutes per game. He averaged eight points per game. Boom, I think I said seven to nine. Yep, 34% from the field. Ooh, 30. 34% from the field? 34 from the field and 34 from three. All I took was threes probably. Thirty-four percent for the field is criminal. You should not be. He should have been pulled like ten games into that. Thirty-four percent from the field, taking six threes per game. That is atrocious. So yeah. I can guarantee that the the monk herder uh, combo will neither of those two will do that. Where we um, where we ended last season? Because again, that was nobody, no Tyrese. Where we ended last season, which. It's just it's night and day. Yeah, it's night and day. It's completely. night and day, and I, th- I, I it's just clearly an upgrade. The like, team, the the Tyrese buddy thing's a conversation. Mm-hmm. This isn't a conversation. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing to to feel positive about is again like the the post trade shooting guard position was very very bleak, and now it's a position of strength, and that is a reason to believe that the Kings will be better this season. Oh, you know for sure. Uh, now let's move on to the small forward position. This is where things got a little murky. Um, no pun intended. No pun intended to a day murky. Uh, small forward starting last season: Harrison Barnes, Lou King, Robert Woodard. Woof, woof. Post trade: Harrison Barnes. I had to have you look this up. Chemezi Metu uh, got a lot of backup three minutes, as well as Mo Harkless, who kind of you know Mo didn't play a lot uh, in the second half of last season, but when he did, it was generally at the three and at the four. And he, he like I said, didn't get many minutes, so I, I put him in that three spot. To start this season, going into training camp, we have HB, KZ Akpala, Chemezi Metu, who again we talked about. some power yeah, forward too. We, I think we talked about him a little bit last episode as well, just kind of trying to find a, much like Terrence Davis, honestly, honestly, kind of just trying to find a position for Mezzi for him to get minutes. Uh, Chimo Monyeki. And here I have Keegan Murray, question mark? Question mark. Could Keegan Murray play not not the backup small forward position? Because obviously that means Keegan's probably going to play like 35 to 40 minutes mm-hmm. a night, which probably is, I can almost guarantee, is not going to happen his rookie season. But can Keegan give us five to ten minutes, probably five, more, more leaning towards five minutes at the at the three position? I think it's like a matchup basis. Like it... it Keegan Murray's what six nine? Yeah, I mean two hundred. What is he? I don't know what he weighs, but I, I believe it. It was more than I thought. Mm-hmm. But he still is a rookie. He's probably going to get targeted on on the defensive end, even though he is a strong defender uh, on paper in college. He was a really good defender in summer league. He held his own, but in some situations, I think it, we could see him be slid up to the three and just kind of deal with the smaller guys while HB takes on uh, the, the bigger, the fours, the mm-hmm. the the stronger players. So, or let's I, say let's say HB goes down. For knock or knock on wood, let's say HB goes down. Um, does Keegan Murray play the three and Lyles slide up to the or slide up? Does I think Lyles go into the four. I think we could see something pretty interesting if that yeah. happens for sure. Because when you look at and again, I think that Mike Brown's a big Chemezi Metu guy, and I talked about that with you. We'll see. Recently, I I would not be surprised if if hypothetical HB goes down with a, a quad injury for three weeks. I could see them going. Murray at the three and, and Mezzi at the four. That doesn't mean I think Mezzi's the backup three because 
there's a lot of names on here. I mean, we also Kent Bazemore is a, he hasn't been signed yet. That's true. Yep. So we we haven't really put him. I was him going in. off. Yeah, I was going off basketball reference. Well, and we, he hasn't there, been so. signed yet, yep. and like that's why I'm saying he's he's technically not on the roster right now. But Sam Merrill also did not make an appearance on this list. Again, uh, Kent Bazemore. <laughs> sorry, Sam. <laughs> sorry, Sam. Uh, Kent Bazemore could be someone that could play. In my opinion, the Kings would probably use him more at the three because they have the shooting guard spots locked up. But I, I still have I have a hunch that Chemezi Metu is going to be playing meaningful minutes in one of these spots here. And to me, it could mean backup three. And we talked about Mezzi last week about things we, we like and we don't like. But if if it's just tough for me to kind of think about a better situation. If, if HB goes down for a long period of time, yeah, you could have Trey Lyles play power forward and have Keegan Murray move up to the three. But Metu is going to have to play somewhere and play some Does minutes. He? Does he? I think Does so. Does he have to play? I think so. I don't think he has to. I, as you know, I am not the biggest Chemezi Metu supporter. Not a Chemezi stan, huh? Definitely not a stan. Um, I just I would rather see what Casey Akpala could bring. Um, and, you know, if we're talking HB going down, we're kind of at crisis alert number seven here. Uh, seven out of ten. Um, because, you know, the depth at the small forward, to me, this is the weakest position group for the Kings, which is very unfortunate because how many times on this podcast have I had to talk about how important the small forward position is? Um, I, I think I would be very concerned if Harrison has to miss any time or, you know, whatever. even the backup three position does concern me. I completely forgot about the Kent Bazemore signing. That makes me feel a little bit better. I do think Kent can give you... 10 to 15 minutes of solid three, but, you know, I I, I don't know if that's an ideal position. I definitely think if this team is going uh, to make an upgrade this season, I would definitely hope that it would be to a backup small forward. And, which, maybe, and maybe come January, February, that's the move they look to make. Yeah. Maybe they look to try to target a, a backup three, mm-hmm. or maybe a future three, because, again, HB, could be. I mean, maybe he gets an extension Locked in before opening night. That could happen. It's, it's happened before with other other players in the Kings. Shout out, Buddy Heald. But um, it's it's kind of like interesting to look at it that way because the Kings do need. You talk about how important small forward the small forward position is. They don't have really. I mean, unless it's Keegan, unless they're planning on it being Keegan. So. Even even to your point of them playing Metu, like Metu's not a three. He's he's a four. No, he's a four five. I think, I think he should be a five. Yeah, I, I personally think he should be a five. But to have Metu playing the three position, like that's that's a sign of how desperate this team could potentially get at the three yeah, position. Because people out there might be screaming like, "Chimazzi's not a three. Oh, I, I know, agree. I agree. <laughs> but I'm just letting you know that he's gonna he's be plugged, gonna play. He played three last year in some exactly. spots, and he's gonna be plugged into some other situations next year. Where we're gonna be like, "What?" So. I think the Kings number one, still number one target. Uh, what this roster really needs is again not a shocker. We've talked about it all summer long. They need another forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come across that. But yep. as far as upgrade or downgrade this position, uh, I'm gonna say upgrade because yeah. I like I like the upside of Akpala. Um Keegan Murray. The, the he is gonna play some small forward. Mm-hmm. I think that he he said. On um on draft night and, and during summer league that he thinks he's a three four and he can play both, I think he's going to play both. So when you look at even half of Keegan Murray, Casey Akpala, <laughs> Kent Bazemore over Bob Woodard, Lou King, uh, Harkless was was fine sometimes, but 
I just like the, the Kings have more options this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's just kind of an upgrade by default. Uh, if you're going to pull out Lou King, who is still getting summer league buckets, and, and Bob Woodard, who uh, probably won't make a roster this actually he definitely won't make an NBA roster I think he was we saw him play for San Antonio's G League team uh in summer league not entirely sure he's going to get a spot there uh and then you know post trade like you said was was HB Mezzi and, and Harkless just the depth I mean again not that it's great depth but the fact that you have the the bodies of Akpala of Bazemore like that those are fringe NBA players and you know that's that's better than two guys who just straight up aren't aren't in the league at all absolutely well put yep so moving on to power forward this is uh how the Kings started last season at power forward also had you look this up this is probably a good trivia question for a lot of Kings fans who started game one at power forward last season for the Sacramento Kings a great question I had (laughs) no idea the only thing I remembered the only reason why I knew it wasn't Marvin Bagley was because I statement. had to remember his agent's statement about how ludicrous it was that Marvin wasn't starting and how the King, you know, that that set off that the whole so Marvin funny. Bagley trying to We're get sitting traded. there night, the night, the it was like night, a 9 p.m. I think we had, the Kings had a practice, like let's say the game was on Friday. I think they had a practice on Thursday. They we went through. to practice. They did like whole press thing and then... Like an hour after practice, his agent revealed. If I'm not mistaken, it was it might like, have even been like an hour before practice or something. No, it, it was like uh, I think that we went to practice on a Monday, Monday morning. Okay, and they left for uh, Portland later that night. And no, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning. Game was on Wednesday, so Tuesday morning we're at practice. They were leaving for Portland like right after practice, mm-hmm. and it was that evening. It was that night. Yeah. And then the next day, we you know obviously they didn't let us ask any questions about it. But um, <laughs> I mean, how how can you? Yeah. So, well, I mean, if you're going to release a public statement, you should probably reply publicly. I just remember thinking how like wow, it's crazy. The Kings went a whole off season without any drama. Yep. And they said, oh, night, day zero, <laughs> day zero, Boom. night night for opening yep. night. Nah, let it drop. Uh, yeah, but answer to the trivia question: Maurice Harkless started game one at uh, at power forward. He also started quite a bit of the first half of the season at power forward. Marvin Bagley got his chances at power forward. Chimezi Metu got his chances at power forward. Tristan Thompson didn't play much for the Kings last season, but he also uh, got minutes at power forward. That was really their rotation um, until the trade, where they eventually traded for Trey Lyles as well. He started um, a good amount of games in the second half of the season at power forward. Mo backed him up, and then again, Mezzi kind of would find spot minutes here and there at the three and the four. Going into this season, it's not quite uh, clear what the pecking order is going to be, but it's going to be some version of Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, and Chemezi Metu. Is there a chance that Trey Lyles starts game one? I'd be very surprised. I just feel like Trey Lyles, what he brings... I just feel like he's not a starting no. four. I mean, the athleticism isn't really there. I mean, we we saw, I saw him get up for a couple of those big dunks. Don't get me wrong, but and I'm not saying that Trey Lyles is unathletic. I mean, he's in the NBA mm-hmm. for for God's sake. So I just think that when the Kings are looking at their four positions, I think having Barnes and Murray interchangeable, they can both play small forward and power forward. I think that's super valuable. Mm-hmm. I think that Murray, I mean, he's your fourth overall pick. He needs to start. I mean, there's no need to. Mess what we saw in summer league. Start him. Mm-hmm. He probably is one of the better players on the team already. Mm-hmm. So play him and play him big minutes. I agree. I think uh, the only reason why the Kings wouldn't 
start Murray and start Trey Lyles, would start Trey Lyles is just because, you know, weird, weird things like that happen sometimes where it's just like the team feels like they don't want to give them too much too soon for whatever reason. And I, I'm kind of just thinking of excuses at this point because you're completely right. There's no reason why Keegan shouldn't start game one. Everything he's shown, his demeanor, nothing about him seems like he'd be the type of dude who who would get too much too soon. I think he'd take it all in stride. And what what are the Magic going to do with Paolo? Start him. Hope start him. What would the Thunder do if, if Chet wasn't hurt? <laughs> exactly. Start, start him. him. So what? we haven't won anything in almost 20 years. What's the, yep. difference? What's the difference? What are we acting like we're special mm-hmm. for? Yep. Which what drove you crazy over the years about when the Kings would draft. I mean, even... De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron. Marvin. Like, people that should be starting mm-hmm. day one. They're your yep. top draft pick. Like, you're you're putting the future... You're leveraging years of the future yep. for these players. And they're winning these awards. Like, Keegan MVP. Summer League. 20 points, start him. And I think he will. I think Mike Brown is, is smart enough to to know that. I don't think he's going to start. Again, we, we we said that it's a possibility, a scary possibility that Mezzi could be like a starting power forward or mm-hmm. something. Uh, I don't want to go – I don't want to open that door. But uh, I think it makes too much sense to have, have Murray be the starting four. And I, I like the idea of going with Trey Lyles off the bench. Again, though, Mike Brown is a Chemezi Metu guy, and I think he's going to get minutes somewhere. We'll see. So it, it could be like a not if I have anything to like, say about it. Like how? Yeah, no. <laughs> what are you? I'm gonna, Mike, I'm just gonna Dark. ask him every day. Every every time we get Mike Brown, I'm just gonna be like, "You played Chemezi today. Why? Why? Just <laughs> what, what? What? What was the thinking there? You know, you know, Trey is also on the bench. Just want your thoughts on that real quick. Just want it. Just want your thoughts on it real quick. Uh, I think it could be kind of like what we saw with Damian Jones, Alex Lynn. Like, okay, one mm-hmm. night. Damian Jones is backup center. I think that's a great way of putting it. I yeah. think that Chemezi could be the backup power forward sometimes, and we could mm-hmm. see Trey Lyles a couple of times. It's just, it's just going to be, again, I I keep saying it, but it's a matchup basis for these mm-hmm. guys. But the things that should not change is who's your starting two guard. They need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I think Herter. And they need to figure out starting power forward slash small forward. And I mm-hmm. think that it should be, no matter which one, you can, I don't care. Yeah. Small forward, power forward, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. Positionless, both be both play forward. I yep. don't care about the power small part. So. I completely agree. Uh, in terms of upgrade or downgrade, I think it's clearly an upgrade. I mean, Keegan is is better than Mo Harkless. He's better than Marvin Bagley. He's better than Chemezi. He's better than Tristan Thompson. Hey, 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 better than Tristan Thompson. TT, come on, man. come on, TT, come on, man. my boy, TT, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Tristan's got some off the court things he's got to figure. Is out. Is he on a team right now? I don't think he's on a team right uh, now. I don't think so either. He said, didn't he say he was going to retire when he was going through the? Yeah, the, that's right. Yeah, he sent that she, DM like, to that that, that or girl, the, the Snapchat message, the yeah. girl that he yeah had a baby with. Yeah, she like posted that. Well, he said I'm going to retire at the end of the year. Yeah, but I don't think he did. No, I don't think officially. But like. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting. I don't think Tristan did anything special for Chicago. Dude, I didn't watch too much Chicago. He's got Tristan. Lakers written all over him. I don't know if TT can hang out in LA anymore. <laughs> I think, I, hey man, uh, oh man, oh there's a. I think it's Charlemagne the God says uh, the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. Dude, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know how, but she. No, you know some blame's got to go on, on Tristan for this. New, you're New York. I was. She runs New York on some hip hop. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's just move on. <laughs> let's move on. We don't need to talk about TT anymore. Uh, we're talking about center now. 
center going into last season was Sean Holmes, Alex Len, uh, Damian Jones, and Nemeas Cato on his two-way contract. Post Sabonis Halliburton trade was obviously Demonis Sabonis, Rashawn Holmes when he could play. Damian Jones got a ton of run in the second half of last season, obviously is now in L.A. Um, and Alex Len and Nemeas Cato are also still on the squad, or were uh, still getting minutes uh, here and there on the squad. And going into this year, we have much of the same pretty much with the uh, subtraction of Damian Jones. It's Demonis Sabonis, Alex Len. I don't know why I said Alex Len first. Rashawn Holmes will probably be the backup, and Nemeas Cato will still be on his two-way contract. Um, I have here written down, is this the Kings' strongest group? On paper, this is the strongest position. Yeah. But it's... As soon as one of Holmes or Sabonis goes down and knock on wood, I hope they don't the whole year, it kind of changes things. But if this is, if the Kings have, if I could, you know, wave a magic wand, I say that a lot, and have Sabonis and Holmes play all 82, mm-hmm. it's the best one two punch starting bench center in the NBA. Like there's no, there's no bench combination that's better. No. Uh, as far as bench and starting, not the Go mm-hmm. Bear town stuff I, I'm talking yeah. about. Going from your your starter to your backup, mm-hmm. and if Holmes can reinvent himself to be the backup we saw in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Philly, even for a little bit there, uh, be half the player he was in the Kings starting lineup when he was really thriving in a, in a starting role, the Kings are going to be a problem down low. I mean, and obviously defense is, is is the question. Can Sabonis and Holmes both take a step forward on that end of the floor? But I think when you look at what they both can bring offensively. Uh, it's going to make a difference, and it's going to be defense. Can you play defense under Mike Brown and, and improve that part of your game? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, to your point exactly, I think defense is my biggest question with the with the Sabonis-Holmes one-two punch, um, as well as can Rashawn Holmes return to, like you said, the, the days in Philly, the days in uh, Phoenix when he was coming off the bench. Uh, because obviously when he was a starter for the Kings, he was great. I mean, he was super solid. He was you know, getting 2010 games almost every night in his first season as a starter. Uh, And we've seen, you know, last season, obviously a lot of things going on off the court for Rashawn. Um, Just didn't play too many games down the stretch. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he can readjust to coming off the bench. And also, I think a big thing is he's not going to have Tyrese Halliburton, who is always, always looking for Rashawn Holmes. Um, and you know, was, was definitely a big reason for a lot of Rashawn's success, um, when they played together. Whew, sorry. I had to take a big gulp there. Um, do you think Rashawn can return to that, that form or is it kind of, is he kind of one of those guys that needs his minutes to get the amount of opportunities that he was afforded? Yeah, I think he can get back to it. I think that we will see them play together a little more than we might That's what think. I think. And I think that Mike Brown, again, Mike Brown apparently is a huge Rashawn Holmes guy. And, I mean, Rashawn, he's been one of the most loved kings in the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. there was some off-the-court stuff, which has now been resolved, mm-hmm. which is, is great for Rashawn that he can kind of clear his conscience of that. Uh, the injuries last year were tough for him. He was dealing with, I mean, one of the worst years of his, I would imagine, his mm-hmm. his life his so life. far. No, life, definitely. So when you, when you all on of it together, and off, yeah, 100%. And the fact that he loses his starting job and mm-hmm. he, and he, he has – countless head injuries and then the off the court so stuff. True. I forgot about the actual injuries as well. Getting poked in the eye twice last season. Like like Random. two two games apart, he comes back from missing two weeks and then he gets poked again. Same eye. 
and misses like a, a month. Uh, so the, the fact that he's going to be able to come back with a clear mind, uh, he knows his role, he got his contract, so he's still being paid well, He, I think he'll be pretty happy. I mean, no matter how you slice it, I mean, he's going to be a big part of his team, and I'm sure that Mike Brown has made that clear to him, which is why we haven't heard any whispers or rumors of a Rashawn Holmes once out of Sacramento thing. Because, I mean, no, most notable, like, in notable situations, when you bring in somebody to take your mm-hmm. spot, you usually want to be traded. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard anything about that. And I don't think that is the case. And now that we see Mike Brown come in and we see Rashawn Holmes go to his welcome press conference and he's in attendance, which that was kind of surprising to me. I thought he was gone at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I tweeted on the last game Rashawn played, this is the last time we're going to see him. That's a freezing cold take. (laughs) So uh, I think when you look at what he can bring, if he can really buy in and be the backup backup center that we know he could be, if he Mm -hmm. buys in, it's a huge win. Definitely, I was just looking at his splits, and like it's interesting. As a reserve, his his minutes or his his production is pretty much split in half. But it's also first career. <laughs> yeah, he's got 216 games off the bench, 160 as a starter. Um, but it's also, I mean, almost directly correlated to his minutes played. As a starter, he averages 30 minutes a game, uh, 13 points, eight rebounds. As a reserve, 15 minutes, so almost exactly half the minutes. Seven points, four rebounds. Just about half the points, just about half the rebounds. So it's interesting to me how, yeah, I mean, his play is almost directly correlated to the amount of minutes he gets. But if he can give us eight and five off the bench and, you know, a a block a game, I think that's a very, very great uh, backup center, especially in today's NBA where, like you said, there's just not much depth from both teams at center. I think that could be a real position of strength for the team this year. Uh, So we're going upgrade. Right. I yeah. Mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, it's it's an upgrade. Um, definitely from the start of last year, for sure. With the addition of, I mean, you're just adding in Sabonis. There's really no change besides Sabonis um, from last year to this year. Here's a question, though. Do you honestly, truthfully, no clickbait? <laughs> do you believe Namias Keda can find a role this year and get? You know, that doesn't mean he's going to play 82 games, but can he play? 50, 40 games this I, year. I mean, I would over under for him. Let see how many games say, he played last year. Give me 28 and a half. Last season, he played uh, 14 games. I'm, I'm going to double that. I'm going to say yeah, 28, think, 28 and a half is like the over under. I would say I, I go like yeah. over, like maybe 29, 30 games because I do think that the way the NBA works, I, I hope. Not for long, but there might be some situations where Sabonis or Holmes are going to need a night here and there or mm-hmm. some time. And having Kata, his shot blocking, like this, the ability he could bring, and if he really can tap into that full potential, he was a monster near the end of summer league before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I just really think the Kings are high on him. I think that they're going to kind of prioritize him getting minutes, uh, even over Alex Len, who's on an expiring deal now. I think Alex Len could be someone who we could see as a as a potential wave down the line or a buyout trade, whatever you want to, to call Alex it. Alex a, a, a solid backup center. I think any team would be very happy to take him on as well. Yeah, yeah but if Kata has to prove it that he deserves to to get those minutes for sure. I mean, Absolutely. for sure, though. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep an eye on him in Stockton. And uh, I think that they're 28 and a half, 29. Yeah, I mean, play the, young, play the kids. Play the young guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're going upgrade? I'm going upgrade. I mean, Sabonis and Holmes versus Holmes and Len out of the gate. I mean, when you look at opening night to opening night, 
it's it's a total win upgrade from last year. So if I'm doing the math correct, we had upgrade on every position with the exception of shooting guard, which I said is push, but also you you laid out the case for it being an upgrade. Definitely no downgrades. No, I mean I, I guess point guard even was I think it's a I guess it could be a push for point guard, but yeah, I'm saying upgrade just because of the fact that mm-hmm. we will have a third string point guard. I yep. mean, I'm not saying and presumably those guys will be better. Yeah, so here we are saying the Kings have upgraded every position. So yeah, I guess we're announcing the playoff drought's over, right? I mean, not necessarily, and that's I guess that's an interesting topic. Is can the Kings find success without finding the playoffs? Because no. what did what they finish thirty two wins last year. 30 on the dot, right? 30. We're asking this team to potentially get... 10 more games. 10 more wins. That's a it, huge swing. I don't know. Swing. But if you think about the games, they they just completely blew and, and, and just... Like, I'm looking at... The, For sure. I mean, that happens. Like Definitely. The, I hear what you're saying. I don't need to go through every game, but they're like yeah. the, the Hornets game, first of all. <laughs> the Hornets game is the top of that list, the missed free throw stuff. Ugh. Um. There are games they could have had that were there for the taking. I mean, that's every game in every sport that's yeah. ever been played. But um, I think just being able to, to flip flop, you know, four or five points some of these games is mm-hmm. possible with with a, a better roster. So I hear you. I I just think it it is maybe one team makes that kind of leap from year to year. Why not us? It could be us. Exactly. Why not us? Someday it's going to be. I just don't know if. And, you know, time will tell. I'm not sure the additions they made are a plus 10 win additions. No. And what to your point, maybe yeah. they switch. Let's say we switch four games from last year. So now they have 34 wins. Six wins even. That's 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 nothing. That's not insignificant. I just think it's it's um we just need to. I, and I think expectations are definitely tempered. I've never heard. I have. Haven't heard anyone say the Kings are going to win 45, 50 games this year. Mark Spears. I do think that there's a chance that they win 45 games. Oh, but I'm not out here saying. Did, did you see, like, Chris Mannix also said that he's. Yeah. Su- a lot of national. Guys, which the Kings is scary, hype train is beginning. But that's scary. We are putting coal into the. I have no idea how steam engines work. We're putting coal <laughs> into the fire pit. I don't know. But how, do you remember the last time went. this happened? 2020? After the 2018 or 2019? I guess after eighteen nineteen when they almost won forty games and they were they seemed like they were on the cusp of breaking through. Yep. So many like preseason polls and predictions of the Kings making the playoffs, making like the seven seed, eight seven eight seed. Like the Kings are like what the Grizzlies are. Like we were supposed to be what the Grizzlies are now. Mm. And the fact that I'm seeing Chris Mannix and you know, Mark Spears, he, I think he's a local guy, right? So it's yeah, he's from the Bay Area. Local love, but. The national stuff is kind of scary to me because <laughs> expectations, uh, we haven't had any for yeah. a while. So now we're kind of slowly getting the, those again. But how can you not when you have the names we have on our team? Mm-hmm. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, Imanis Sabonis, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, those aren't nobodies in the in NBA. Those are those are NBA players. So yep. we'll see totally what happens. Uh, Upgrades, though. Upgrades across the board for the most part. Yep. Will there be an upgrade mm-hmm. on the Sacramento Kings jersey? This is something that is always, always a bunch of talk about during the offseason. Uh, I think in the past four years, since the NBA has switched to Nike, every single year there's been new jerseys. Obviously, there's the city editions and the county editions and the legacy edition. All of these editions of jerseys that end up coming out. Um, and for the most part, I have been incredibly underwhelmed. I thought last year was the best uh, 
alternate jersey the Kings have had in a while. They have not switched up their main jerseys in a in a good amount of time. Um, how how confident are you this season that they're going to deliver something that like like they're home and away or they're I think I think we probably would have heard if they're like completely switching off their home and away jersey, but just for the alternate, we'll say. So they're city edition, city whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever. I talk. I've 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 spoken to hashtag multiple sauces, uh, and I've talked to somebody who is involved in the process, and uh, they're they're not going back to the old the O2 classics that everyone wants really bad. And I put a tweet out that really generate. I, I and Stop, I didn't mean Frank. to attack Stop. the people that are involved with this process. You and your but, propaganda. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I was I was spilling the 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 bring back the O2 classics. I mean, they are the best jerseys that the Kings have had, and everyone's bringing back their classic jerseys. Though, yeah. like the Phoenix Suns are bringing back their uh, their 1993 mm-hmm. jersey. Yep. Uh, the Bucks. The, yeah. The Timberwolves brought back those KG era ones. Yep. I think last year. The Bucks are bringing back uh, mm-hmm. the the class like the, the Bucks with the on the going on with the buck on it. So um, it, it's come to my attention that the NBA it has to be an anniversary to bring back a jersey like that. It has to be an anniversary. So I guess the year for that would have been 2000 last year and it didn't happen. Uh, so there's going to be a new der- Jersey, a new city edition. And uh, what I was told was something different and that has not been done by the team before. I guess you could say the past couple of city editions had not been done by the team either though. Right. Yeah, so definitely. like the sack time we're seeing on the wall right now from the, the COVID year, it's uh, with the checkers on it. And yeah, to me, this looks like a uh, gas station jersey, I believe is what I called it. It does kind of look like we're we're going to like uh, Talladega or something. It just to me, look, you know how like they have like generic gear at a gas station sometimes? Like you'll go to like some, you'll be driving to LA and like at the grapevine, they'll have like shirts and random cowboy stuff. It looks like something that someone, or like a flea market jersey or something. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, there's the baby blue one that they pulled out. I think that was the first um, city edition one. Garbage. Obviously, the red ones that they put out, hot garbage. So bad, dude. The uh, Sacktown ones? Yes, the Sacktown ones. And they, they, Nike did the same jersey, but they changed the color. Let's change the thread the thread yep. to red. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. With this jersey, I, I, it sounds like it won't just be Nike making it and saying deal with it. It sounds like the Kings are going to have a saying what this city edition is, but looking at the ones again, and like Chris, the two are on our wall right now. Yeah. Uh, they need a. And I liked. I liked last year's city edition. I do too. I actually really liked last year's Sacktown jersey. I loved it. I would, I would have been give fine. It an eighty eighty five. If, if I was a teacher, if that was their, if that was their jersey, if they announced that's going to be just our our jersey or one of our primary mm-hmm. jerseys, I'd say great because I I'm kind of over the. I was going to ask you about this one right here. This the black jersey that they put out that is essentially just uh, their road jersey, I think, or is it their home jersey? But it's black and has the uh, the S that I believe they say is like the Sacramento River all throughout it. Uh, I personally am not a fan of the S all throughout the logo or all, all throughout the jersey, but. I, I agree with you. I'm kind of done with that alternate one. And I, I really liked the one last year. I like the quail S I loved thing. it. I think that's cool. I love the the solid black jersey too. Solid like it's just black. solid black. The purple on it was really nice. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm, I believe the number font also was like the yeah. throwback font, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean and we, I just I'm wondering like what the long term plan is with the jerseys. I mean, usually when you look at I'm looking at the Kings history of jerseys, they've gone to a new uniform 
on average. So when they moved here in 85, they went five years. Then from 90 to 94, five seasons. 94 to 2002, that was a classic, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Kings jerseys that we grew up watching, mm-hmm. the ones that we wanted to bring back. Um, that was eight years. Then after that, six years with the the, the Crown Sacramento, uh, six years with the Sacramento, the ones at home, which were kind of ugly, which I didn't like mm-hmm. very much. Three years with the the old school logo, but on new like a new kind of concept with the yeah. numbers in the center. And then now, ever since then, which is going to be, this is going to be our sixth season having the jerseys we have now, which have gone from Adidas to Nike. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're due for a change in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. I'm just wondering where they're going to go with it. But I like the idea of going back to the old lettering. Just They tried it before and it didn't work, and I just don't know if they're going to do that again. But what's your favorite? What is your? What was your favorite? Okay, let's, let's go ahead and say, I'm going to mm-hmm. assume that the old, like old school we'll O2s. Yeah. Take those out. So what is your favorite jersey, like your era outside of then? I think my favorite jersey they've put out is the throwback one. I can't remember. The, the royal blue one that uh, they put out a couple years ago. I can't remember what year it was. Um, but I remember them, like Buddy was the one that was showcasing it at the uh, Fan Fest. He like wore it and was, was repping it. Um, I love those. I think it was the royal blue and red. Uh, I think I can't remember what. That was like a City Edition jersey, right? I think so. Yeah, they wore it. They yeah. didn't wear it too many times that season, no. actually. It, that was like a play on the 1990-94 jersey, which I'm looking at right now. Uh, here's what they looked like. If I can, I need to get a, a magic marker for my iPad. <laughs> um, it's these guys right here. Which, yes, I mean, those ones exactly. Yep. If you're listening at home, you can just type in... 1990-94. to 94. Kings 90-94. If, you, know, you remember if you watched them back then. Yeah. But um, I, I like that a lot. And I, I honestly, we've talked about it. Some of you might not like to hear this, but I wouldn't mind if they went... Back to the old color scheme at some point, or maybe like yeah. try to like maybe make it a darker blue and a darker red. I mean, if anything, and maybe incorporate like a a dark gray. I don't know. And it just I agree with you. in black. I just I, I I'm cool with the purple and I like it. And I just don't know if maybe some at some point they they move away from it. I mean, you see some kind of or, some teams are moving away from their old colors. It's just I can't see them ever doing that. At least not for a while. But I think they might. I think I definitely think they might, and we've heard rumblings that there are people uh, up high who who do want to change the Kings jersey or the the, the team's main colors. Um, I don't think they'll be able to do it, like you said. I think there's just kind of too much, uh, too much of in the community. It just means too much, and I think they'd probably have to wait for them to be good to like kind of rebrand themselves yeah. almost. Because I guess they're still in the process of, I mean, they opened Golden One Center, what, six years ago? Mm-hmm. And they kind of were making that a whole new brand thing. Yeah. They had a new logo. So I guess it wouldn't make sense to change that all, exactly. all tear it all down already. Great point as well. Like their, um, their, their logo is pretty new still. Yes, yes, definitely. Their logos, yeah. Which I, the old, I like the old logo better, but that's besides the point. Yeah, that's interesting too. I do like the look of the old logo. I get the simplicity of the new one. It's, you know, the, the old one kind of did have a lot going on with the the swords and the ribbon and the just it was, it's it was cla- a lot it's classic it's classic to me it looks great um yeah it's how about you get your, get your thought off first though I, I don't know my only thought is as as someone who we just went through a rebrand here at Sacktown sports 1140 uh as someone who makes graphics and like has to like taking con- take into consideration like colors and color schemes and things like that i will say purple is not the greatest base color to work with. You're yeah. kind of limited, and 
just in general, it's kind of hard to find like color matches that look good. I do think the King's purple, white, and gray does look good, but um, it's kind of limiting in terms of branding and, and how cool you can make stuff look. That makes sense. What about the cursive font? Like if the Kings, we saw with the Sacktown kind of a little bit, but the the cursive Kings, like how do you feel? Would that they be made... on that jer- the one that's well, on that jersey as well? I'm looking at like from right here, just looking back at what, what they had when they came here, mm-hmm. right? And then even I think. Well, they haven't had it since, really. They had it on the those blue mm-hmm, those editions. Blue ones, yeah. How would you feel if they made that kind of back to the classic or their primary logo or jersey logo instead of just like the the block Kings numbers? It'd be Kings interesting. Letters. I think it. They would. I assume try and modernize it, and I think that would be where where the criticism could come in because I do think that looks really good. I think that Kings. Look solid. They have the crown, I think, about like dotting uh, the eye, correct? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I think that's cool. I just, uh, yeah, I think that they would try and put a modern twist on it. And I'm not sure that that's something that really needs to be modernized. Um, I like it. I just, I don't trust it. I don't trust that they would do a good job with it. That's more what it is. Yeah. It, it'll be very intriguing to see how this all pans out. Mm-hmm. So I am. Um, I would expect the City Edition jersey, which will drop in November, by the way. The City Edition will be out in November. The Kings will not announce it before the beginning of the regular season. Um, I'd expect it's going to be something different. That we're, It might be... From, from what I was told, they seem confident in it, but I bet they were confident in the last couple yeah. of yeah. things, too. Mm-hmm. And while last year's was great, I loved last year's. It was, a, again, I give it an A. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the COVID year, the 2020 season with the the racing stuff on it, just like I don't know, I don't know. So I don't know. Jerseys, jerseys like are mostly polarizing though. There's not many, you know, definitely like the Yankee yeah. pinstripes or the Raptors purples. Like the people, everyone likes. Like there's not very many that it's hard to be agree. neutral on a jersey. Yeah. But yeah. see what happens. I just yeah, again, I just kind of don't trust that. I don't trust Nike, and I don't really. I don't want to say I don't trust the Kings branding, but nothing that the Kings have really ever, even in like in the team store, I'm very unimpressed with just the amount of like cool stuff. They the sim- you and I were talking about the simplicity. The they need to be have more simple. I just want a Kings t-shirt yeah. without having like a million things on it. Like mm-hmm. I just want like a solid t-shirt, like a Kings logo, maybe a, like a Nike logo on it too. Mm-hmm. Just like a solid shirt, like a dry fit. But on the back, there'll be like a giant lion or something. And it's like, mm-hmm. I just, I know it's about branding, but I just don't want yeah. all of that on my back. So interesting. Well, until until next time. Um, oh, you know, I was going to say I, this is very random, not random, but kind of useless information. The la- the um, the Sacktown jerseys of last year that they or I don't, we weren't Sacktown, but the city edition jerseys that they put out last year were announced on November 1st. So I would expect probably the same date for uh, for these. So be yeah. on the lookout for that. Uh, I think that's it for us as well. Yeah, back yeah. Tuesday, back Tuesday. Um, I don't think there's anything on the horizon, but uh, you know, news is always dropping. Be sure to follow me and Frankie on Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so that you can get all your episodes as they come out. We appreciate you all listening. Thank you so much. 
Um, do you have any shout outs or anything you want to give? Uh, shout out to the New York Yankees for getting one hit when I went to go watch them play at the Coliseum. Uh, that was sick. Can you give me the Yankees record against the A's? You told me the other day, and I was flabbergasted. Uh, they're twelve and twenty-five at the Coliseum since twenty twelve. It's like a thirty percent winning percentage. Unreal. It's their worst at any stadium away from any road stadium. And I've gotten to see them go one in six over the past say. five years. Yeah. And I'm Which going to Boston. Incredible. I'll be in Boston in like a week and a half. So that's going to be really fun mm. to watch them lose halfway, or I'm sorry, all the way across the all country. The all, all the way. All yep. the way across. Just the whole way. It. Yep. Anyways, thanks, Yanks. Thanks. So if the Kings suck this year, we know who to blame. It's you. Um, for Frankie Cardicelli, I'm Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.